out of town uh, preaching in the missions conference on Wednesday and Thursday in Pennsylvania. We drove back on Thursday night. I think I got home about 1.30 in the morning, and then I had a, um, I had the, uh, our Henrico Regional Chaplains Conference. I'm our lead chaplain, so I had to run that whole conference. We went into Saturday and Sunday, and Monday was catch-up day, and then this whole week we've been in, in class um, with the state police from 8 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So I did not have time to work on another religion, putting another religion together, because those take hours and hours and hours of studying those things out, and I don't want to just throw something together and give it to you. I want to be able to give it to you the way that I've been giving you everything. So we'll pick back up to that next week. But what I do want to do, and um, we, we, we hit on this, uh, well, not last week, as Brother Brian covered uh, last week since we were out of town, but two weeks ago, we hit on the family and, um, and talked about some things that, that are very important for us to focus on with our children. And uh, so uh, I want to do the same thing tonight, but instead of our children, I want to talk about our spouses and uh, husband or wife right? A spouse is a husband or a wife. But Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, I think there's a lot more to this than what we have time to, to look at tonight, but I think it's so interesting. Um, many times... When we're reading through this passage, if we're focusing on marriage, we focus on what he says about the husband and wife. If we're talking about the church, we focus on what he's saying about the church. But he's comparing both of these two things together. And Christ loved the church so much that he was willing to give his life for the church. Not willing, he did give his life for the church, right? And I know most husbands would say, oh, I'm willing to give my life for my wife. And I, and I, I believe that most of them would be. But then we don't live like that. Um, Larry Brown, um, uh, he's still alive and still preaching, but uh, he was a pastor for years and years in Iowa. Very, very well-known speaker because he was one of these guys that was not afraid to say or do anything. I remember being in a conference um, in the church that I grew up in, and he was preaching against the television. And he, got, he, he had a TV sitting up on the stage, and he pulled a sledgehammer out from behind the pulpit and smashed the TV on the stage. I mean, that's, that's the kind of preacher that he was. He had a lot of different types of messages that were that way. Uh, but he preached a message. I, I, don't, I, I may get the, title, the exact title wrong, but the title of the message was, Treat Her Like a Dog. And you know, you think, oh, treat, her like, treat your wife like a dog. But he said, most people, if you watch how they treat their dogs... Oh, you're so, oh, you're such a good boy. Oh, come here. Let me rub your, you know, let me pet your head and scratch you and, you know, give you treats and do all this kind of stuff. If, if people would just treat their wives like they treat their dogs, then the wives would be getting treated a whole lot better than they do most of the time, right? So his whole, the whole point of the message, treat her like a dog was, you know, you ought to treat your wife uh, in a good way. And this is not just for husbands. I mean, and I think, honestly, you know, verse 33 
sums everything up. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So what happens when spouses show contempt to each other? It's, it's one of the clearest indications that marriages are headed for big trouble, um, or that it's, it already may be in big trouble by that point, by the time you're already showing contempt for your spouse. And, and, and contempt might seem like a, a strong word, um, so much of a strong word that you dismiss the thought of it being a problem in your marriage. Oh, I don't have contempt for my wife. I don't have contempt for my husband. But take a, take a minute and ask yourself whether you've ever shown disrespect or disdain for your, your spouse. Um, and I think that we all have to admit that at some point in our marriage, we've gotten to that point. Um, you've looked down on them. You've been scornful for some reason. And that's, that's honestly what contempt is. When you feel contempt for somebody, you're looking down on that person. Um, you see yourself as better than them. You scrutinize every mistake that your spouse makes, right? Um, maybe you've been in a, in a business relationship like that. Or maybe some, I mean, sometimes it turns into those kind of things with, with your children, um, you know, especially as they get older and, you know, maybe more rebellious or something like that. But it's very easy for us to turn into that with our spouses. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're in this phase, uh, and I don't even know if phase is the right word, but where everything they do just gets under your skin. And so you're doing everything you can to get under their skin too, because, well, if that's how you're going to treat me, even if they may not be treating you that way, you just might feel like that's the way you're being treated. Well, I'm going to do everything to get back at them. And then it just turns into this thing where you're trying to one-up each other, and it, turn, it, it, it turns into contempt. So uh, be aware, I guess is what I'm saying, that, that, that you know, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, there are things that we do that can turn into, if they're not already there, contempt for our spouse. So um, showing contempt for your spouse is a behavior that we all want to avoid, or at least we should be trying to if you want your marriage to be successful. And by successful, I mean a happy marriage, and that's the way marriage should be, right? Uh, God designed um, men and women to be married one man for one woman for life, right? So divorce is not an option, and if divorce is not an option, then you better learn how to get along or you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life, right? And how many times? I mean, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, even Brother John, we're sitting in this, you know, in this class with the police, and, and all, you know, a lot of these guys, and, and I know half of them are just saying it in jest, but, I mean, the way they talk about their, their marriages, I mean, it's like the most miserable thing they're involved in, Right? And it's, we're just talking about lots of different things, lots of different topics within these, you know, within the topic that we're discussing. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, oh, I've been married to that thing for 28 years, you know, I mean, and that's how they talk, you know. Um, it shouldn't be that way. Marriage is not supposed to be something you endure. Marriage is supposed to be something that you enjoy. That's why God created us to be together, right? So I want to give you some warning signs that, that really show that you could be drifting towards contempt for your spouse. Um, and, and doing these things once or twice or even a little bit more than that does not necessarily mean that you have contempt for them. But the more you move, the, the more you do these things, the more you move in that direction to where it actually does turn into contempt, to where I can't stand that woman, I can't stand that man, and I'm doing everything I can to stay away as long as I can. You know, I'm taking, you know, and, and I think what, what happens is you see more and more of this, you know. Well, I'm going to hang out with the boys. You know, and it turns into a long weekend, and then it turns into a long week away with the boys. And then, well, I'm going to hang out with my mother and my sisters, and, and it just turns into longer and longer doing that. And you're doing everything you can to spend as much time away from each other as you possibly can. 
that's when you've already gotten to that point where you're showing contempt. But here's some warning signs um, that things that, and honestly, it, it may not even be that you're showing contempt for your spouse in doing some of these things, but there are things that we can look out for, things that we need to be paying attention to that we don't do in our marriage so it doesn't turn into that. And we're going to cover these pretty quickly. I think I have six or seven of them, and most of them are only going to take a couple minutes each. Um, but maybe take a few notes, write some things down that will help you, honestly, have a happy marriage. That's, what, that's, that's really what this is about. So here's the first thing. One of the things that we do that ends up showing contempt is interrupting them. I think too many times we don't really listen to other people to learn what they think and feel. And, you know, if you're like me, um, you got a million things going on, and by the time you're in the middle of one conversation, you're already five conversations ahead because you're thinking of ten things that you have to do, and it's very easy to just stop listening and interrupt. Oh, we need to, we, we got to go do this. Oh, we got to go do that. Oh, and then you've, you've interrupted them right in the middle of a conversation, and it, and it basically just shows that you're not listening to what they're saying, right? Um, and, I, and I know that uh, husbands are, uh, get, the, get the bigger rap for that. You're not listening to a word I'm saying, are you? you know? And, oh, yeah, I heard every word. What did I say? Well, you know, you were talking about, um, and then there's, um, you know, I mean, and, and th honestly, that's how it is sometimes, you know? One of the things that we talk about when it comes to a peer support role, and that's one of the, you know, that's, that's what we're, essentially, that's what we're, we're doing in this class that, we're, that we've been taking, and I've taken many, many hours of training in, in peer support, and one of the best things that you can do for somebody that's going through a difficult time is just to listen to them, but not just hear what they're saying, active listening, because you know what happens most of the time when, when somebody's talking to you, and, and this happens with husbands and wives a lot. What happens most of the time is you're, when they're talking, within the first few sentences, you're already thinking about what you're going to say when they finally shut up, <laughs> right? And so while you're forming what you're going to say, you've stopped listening to everything else that they are saying so that you can say what you have to say when they get finished. And you haven't actively listened to them. You might have heard them and you might have picked up a couple words here and there, but you're not actively listening. And so, you know, most people in their conversations are just waiting for an opportunity to break in and tell them what they think, right? It goes both ways. Husbands and wives do this. Um, but the, the, that really communicates that their thoughts and feelings don't really matter. It's all about you, you know? Um, I remember hearing a song years ago, and I think it's a country song. Um, I want to talk about me. You ever, you ever heard that one? Um, and I, I don't know, I can't, I don't know who sings it or whatever else, but I don't care what you have to say, you know, let's talk about you every now and then, but I want to talk about me. And honestly, that's what most relationships end up, you know? The, great, great, hurry up and finish. All right, now let's talk about me, right? And uh, that's, it, it, honestly, it shouldn't be that way. Interrupting them is just a sign that you're not really listening. And one of the best ways to reach somebody's heart is to listen to them and make them feel like you're there. Make them feel like you're in that conversation with them. Make them feel like you really are listening to what they have to say. Interrupting. And again, that's what I'm saying. Okay, you interrupted your wife two or three times last week. She interrupted you. doesn't mean that you're showing contempt for your spouse, but it's a pattern and a habit that you can get into that moves in that direction. And that's kind of what I'm talking about with all these things. Second one is this, correcting them. And this is, to me, this one is much more serious um, when it comes to having contempt for your spouse because when a husband and wife don't see eye to eye on something, it's easy for... for one of them to start viewing the other um, as their opponent rather than, rather than uh, 
somebody to cherish. They're looking at it as an opponent that needs to be overcome, right? And you're not always going to see eye to eye on things. Now, the dynamic that God created in marriage is, okay, you may not see eye to eye. God made the husband the leader of the home, and what he decides, he's ultimately going to answer to God for, but what he decides is what needs to go in the home, right? And you may, you know, violently disagree. And in some cases, you know, the wife might be right, right? But it's not your responsibility to lead, it's your responsibility to follow. I would be a fool if I didn't get my wife's opinion on basically just about anything that we talk about, right? Anything that happens in our home, I should be talking to my wife about it. I should be asking her about it. But ultimately, what happens in my home is my responsibility, so I have the final decision on what happens. And when you come, once you come to a consensus, or maybe not even a consensus, once the husband, once the, the father comes to a decision on something, then it's the wife's responsibility to back his decision. And, and by, I mean, think about, think about how that happens in business. Think about that, how that happens in politics, right? You may violently disagree with the president of the United States on something, but when he makes his decision, it's your job to defend whatever it is and, and make it sound like that's the greatest idea that's ever been put out there, right? I mean, could, could you imagine? I mean, Jen Psaki, you know, the president's spokeswoman. She disagrees with the president on something, and, you know, we're doing this as a policy for the United States, and she comes out and says, I don't agree with the president at all, and I want everybody to know that I don't agree with him. I'm just doing this because he said this is what we have to do. Well, that's, a, that's the worst thing that you could do as a spokesperson, right, or as somebody that's in it. Same thing in business, right? The president of the company makes a decision, and you might think, you know what? This is going to sink this company. We're going down. But you know what? That's not on you. The president is the one that's responsible for what happens with that company, and your responsibility is to say, I don't agree with it, but this is what we decided. This is what he's decided. I've, I've given my opinion. He didn't really take it very much, but this is the direction we're moving in, so I'm going to get behind it. And the same thing is true with the family. But what ends up happening is you have a husband that makes a decision and a wife that doesn't like that decision, and so now she sees him as the opponent. i got to take him down. He thinks he's this and that, and now he needs to be brought down a couple notches. And so every time you get the opportunity to point out where he's wrong, you're pointing it out. And I'm not, I'm not saying just, just wives. Husbands do it probably more than wives do. Um, but rather than engaging in a conversation, we correct what they have to say and explain to them why they're wrong as far as we're concerned, right? It's, it's very belittling, and it, and it says without saying it, you're stupid, Right? You're foolish. Why would you say something like that? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and they may be wrong. And you may be wrong. Uh, but the way you go about discussing it makes all the difference in your relationship. Children need to be corrected. Spouses don't. Right? Um, you can have a, as, as two adults, you can have a conversation. Right? Uh, there are a lot of verses about correction in the Bible. And believe it or not, none of them mention anything about a husband correcting a wife or a wife correcting a husband. You don't see that in the Bible. Um, correcting your spouse can be very hurtful if it's done in public, especially. Bad enough when it's done in, you know, in your home, um, but when it's done in public. Have you ever watched a, a, um, one spouse correcting another one at a, at a, at a gathering, some, somebody's house or something you know, at church or whatever else, and the husband is telling a story, and 30 seconds into it, the wife interrupts the story to correct some very small detail. He says, I think there were five or six people there. And she said, no, there were seven. 
There were seven. Okay, whatever. Remember, I, I mean, remember we counted them. There were seven people there. Okay, there were seven people, you know. <laughs> and he continues on with his story, and he says, you know, was, I think it was about 5.30 in the afternoon. Actually, it was 5.45. Remember, we both looked at the clock at the same time. It was 5.45, right? What's the, what is the point of that? And that's what I'm saying. Correcting your spouse, especially in public, is belittling them. And now, a wife is not going to say, you're stupid. It was 5.45. Don't you remember? But that's essentially what you're saying, and that's what you're conveying all for what? To prove that you were right? To prove that, you know, what? What are you proving by it? I'll tell you what you're proving. It's, it's proving that, you're, that you have contempt for your spouse. And it goes both ways. I'm, I'm not, you know, so, so please, don't, don't think I'm picking on women or don't think I'm picking on men. It, it, it goes both ways. Both do that, and these are things that we both need to watch out for. So, um, but, but I will point out that it doesn't have to be in public for it to be showing contempt, right? You can do the exact same thing in a private conversation between a husband and wife. And maybe it's not as hurtful because it's not in front of other people, but it's very hurtful. And it's showing them, you're stupid, and I think you're stupid. No, I know you're stupid. You need to change, right? And that's, that's, that's not healthy for a relationship. Here's the third thing. And this kind of goes right along with that, but it's, it's, it's different. Number three is criticizing them. Um, disagreeing with somebody in an issue is, is in, in a certain, to a certain extent, it's healthy. But it gets worse when we make things personal, right? Bad enough to disagree with somebody and, and maybe even and violently disagree with them. But, you know, when you start saying things like, how in the world can you think that? Is that you know, is, is, it's not really so much a question as much as it is a hidden statement. Who would be stupid enough to think that? That's what, that's what you're saying, right? Um, and, and think for a moment how, how often criticism is couched in a, in a rhetorical question, right? You're not really going to wear that tonight, are you? Yeah, actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> right? I mean, it's because you just said that looks really bad. I know you're not planning to go out in public in that thing, right? And, and that's what I'm saying. It's so how we say things and how we, how we talk to each other. And, and over time, that repeated criticism, we tell our spouse that we, you know, we don't like them the way that they are and they're, that they're not acceptable to us. And, and honestly, it, it, again, it goes both ways. And you see these little husbands that you know, just fold their hands and you know, they're, they're like on a leash behind their wife. You know, what, you know how that happens? Because the wife has criticized the husband so much that finally he says, you know what? You just tell me what I need to wear. You just tell me what I need to say. You just tell me where I need to go. I'll do it because I don't want to hear the criticism anymore. Right? And that's how that happens. And the same thing with a wife. You have this little wife who's afraid to do anything to, you know, in public especially because her husband has criticized her so much that she just, she just doesn't want the criticism anymore. So... Tell me what I need to wear. Tell me where I need to go. Tell me what I need to eat. Tell me how much I need to eat, right? And I know that's an extreme example, but it gets to that point. And, it, and it, goes, it goes both ways. Husbands can do that to their wives, and wives can do that to their husbands. And it all comes down to criticism. When you criticize your husband, you're telling him, you got it wrong. You criticize your wife, you're doing the same thing. You got it wrong. It's an attack on, on either his actions or her character. And it's just, it's not, it's not good. And over time... That consistent criticism is going to chip away at your spouse, you know, just a little bit at a time, and it's, and it's going to cause them to feel not respected. It's going to cause them to feel not loved, and that's what drives a wedge in between people that pushes them apart. Um, and, and that habit, it's going, to, it's going to build those emotional walls. It's going to disconnect 
you from the other, and it's, it's, it's going to create a foundation of just unfair fighting, and it's, it's not healthy in a relationship. And so those are things that we want to avoid. Um, and, and again, there's a way to, you know, okay, maybe there is something wrong with what your wife is getting ready to wear out in public, you know? Um, there's ways to say it in a way that's not, you know, criticizing or, um, and, and I know, so, uh, I mean, it's not like my wife is, you know, going to wear something that I would be like, oh, that's nasty looking, why are you wearing that, right? But maybe a better way to say that is, is are you sure you're going to like the way you look in that? You know, I mean, it's, it's giving all of the power to her. You know what I'm saying? And she starts to think, why is he saying that? Maybe it doesn't look that nice. Maybe I'm not going to be happy with the way I look in it. Right? And then, it, but, but it, it's not criticizing. It's, it's giving her the opportunity to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe I will go change this. You know what? Yeah, I probably won't be happy with the way it looks. Right? Um, I, I just remember that, you know, Pastor Brothers, uh, her, my wife's dad, uh, talking about, you know, Every time um, Miss Nita would, would, you know, she would put something on and say, do you, do you like it? And he would say that. I don't, I don't think you're going to like the way you look in that. You know, and, and it's, 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 it's a way of criticizing without criticizing at all or without belittling in that criticism. I just don't think you're going to like the way you look in that. And there's, I mean, that's, that's one example, but there's so many things that come up that we can very easily criticize each other for. So don't criticize. Number, number, um, number four, finishing their sentences. And, and on some level, that can be positive. It shows that you've been around, uh, that, that you've been together a long time, and you're starting to say something, and you can finish the sentence. That's, that's one thing, but that's not what I'm talking about necessarily. Um, I think sometimes when we do that, it communicates irritation, right? You're taking so long to say what you need to say that I'm going to finish your sentence for you so I can start talking and say what I need to say. Right? There's a difference between finishing a sentence because, oh, yeah, we both remember that. Oh, we're laughing and having a good time. And another way to say the same thing and finish a sentence with showing irritation at the same time. And it assumes that they don't have something new to tell you at all or, you, or you, you know, they need your help to communicate clearly. Um, again, it's something that depends on how it's being done and in what situation as far as determining whether it's showing contempt or not. But it moves in that direction. Number five, and this is a big one as well. Making fun of them. Um, playful teasing is part of the glue that holds a marriage together. Um, so it can become a way of tearing down, though, um, especially when it's done in front of others. There's a huge difference between teasing and making fun, right? Making fun is, is done for the point of getting a laugh from other people. Teasing is done for the point of getting a laugh out of the person you're teasing, right? Your spouse, in this, in this case, is what we're talking about. So uh, you should never, ever, ever put your spouse down in public. And by the way, you shouldn't do that with your kids either, um, or, or really anybody for that matter, you know? Uh, you do it in a workplace, and all you do is create a, an employee who doesn't have any respect for you anymore. You do the same thing with your kids. You put them down in public, you, you're, you're, you're tearing down your own respect in front of everybody, right? I'm not saying that your kids don't need to be corrected in public because a lot of times they do stuff that needs to be corrected. But get them in a place where 
only they can see what you're saying to them, or go somewhere else where you're the one that's, you know, you're the one that's giving them the, the, the constructive criticism or the whatever needs to be taking place, okay? And the same thing is true with husband and wife. I mean, you don't need to be correcting them anyway, but you ought never, ever make fun of your husband or your wife in public. Because um, when you do that, all you're doing is breaking down the trust that takes years to build, right? I want my wife to trust me with any secret that she has. I want her to know that if there is one place that she can go where she can talk to somebody about anything that's bothering her, anything that's scaring her, anything that's troubling her, it can be me. And not just that it can be. I want it to be me, right? I don't want her going to knitting to tell him about all that stuff, right? Or somebody else. And look, I, I, I'm joking, but this is how affairs start. This is how adultery happens within marriage, right? Because, oh, my husband doesn't listen to anything that I have to say. And Nitin says, well, tell me, what do you have to say? And all of a sudden, oh, here's somebody that finally gets me. Here's somebody that will finally listen to me, right? And that's how it starts. You want to protect what you have? Then you be that safe space for your husband and for your wife. You be that listening ear that they need. You be the one that is never going to make fun of them publicly or privately, okay? Because that's what I'm saying. There's a difference between making fun and teasing. Nothing wrong with teasing at all, right? Until you start to get personal with it and, you know, your wife has big ears and you're going to start making fun of her big ears. That, that's not teasing anymore. That's making fun, right? So it's, it's a fine balance. It's a fine balance, but, um, you know, uh, be careful not to make fun of your spouse or you'll be breaking down that trust and burning those bridges that you're going to need later. Number six, communicating nonverbal negatives. Nonverbal means you don't even have to say anything to get your point across. Sometimes it's not the words that we use. It's the way that we use those words. Um, it's even the things that we don't say. Uh, it can be done with an action. It can be done with a look. It can be done with a lot of different things. But our tone of voice, our body language can be very damaging. And number seven, one of the ways that we tear that relationship down, one of the ways that we show contempt for our spouses is by redoing what they've done. Nobody likes to be corrected all the time. And we, we've kind of already covered this a little bit, but, you know, so they didn't load the dishwasher exactly the way that you like to load the dishwasher. You don't need to go behind them and treat them like a child and reload the dishwasher, right? Oh, they put one extra sock in the, in the washing machine than what they should have, so you're going to go back and redo that whole load of laundry because now it's not clean. You put an extra sock in there, right? And, and, and again, you don't even have to say anything to let them know that they're being corrected and you did it wrong, right? And that's what we're talking about, redoing what they've done, following up behind them and redoing their tasks. Treats them like they're a child. And no husband or wife deserves to be treated like a child. Um, does it really matter that their way is a little different than yours? Um, is there, you know, if there really is a better way, then ask them if they think they could or should do it in a better way, right? Because, okay, maybe your husband does load the dishwasher wrong and the dishes aren't getting clean. And you could say, and again, this is just a way to do it. Don't go back and say, how many times have I showed you how to do this thing? You, you put these dishes in there wrong every single time. They're not getting clean. And you could say, some of these dishes aren't coming out exactly clean. Do you think maybe when you, when you put them in there that you could, right? 
the way that you say it gets the exact same point across, but it's not in a way that's showing contempt, right? It's better than demanding that they change. You're two different people. You're going to do different things in different ways, right? And the longer you're together, the longer you're married, the more you're going to do things the same way. Uh, and so I think this matters a little bit more early on in your marriage, but you're still two different people, right? You're two people who become one, but you're still two people, right? And you still have different ideas, and you still have different ways of doing things. And uh, obviously, there's things that need to be compromised on because you can't load the dishwasher two different ways for one, for one load of dishes, right? So somebody's way is going to win out, but... You know, if, hey, look, if a husband's willing to load the dishwasher, let him load it. It doesn't matter how he's putting them in there, right? If he's willing to do laundry, let him do it, right? But uh, redoing what they've done shows uh, contempt. Now, let me, let me conclude with this. And uh, I want you to turn over to Proverbs 13. Um, those are seven things that we can be careful not to do. But how can we make sure that we're not showing contempt to our spouses? Let me give you two things. The first one is this. Make sure your relationship with God is right. Um, if your relationship with God is not right, then none of your other relationships can be right either. Um, when you make God the priority, then all of the other things that creep in that cause contempt, pride, arrogance, dishonor, contention, whatever it is, are going to be non-existent. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 10 says this, Only by pride cometh contention but with the well-advised is wisdom. So you have contention in your marriage, there's only one reason why, and it's pride. Only by pride come with contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Turn over to Ephesians chapter four. Here's the second thing. Make sure your, and I underline that word your, make sure your relationship with your spouse is right. You cannot make your spouse have a great relationship with God. You can try. You can do your best to influence that. You cannot make them have a right relationship with God. They have to make that decision for themselves, just like you can't make them get saved, right? But you can make sure that your relationship with your spouse is right. You can do everything you can to treat your husband like a king or your wife like a queen, right? I heard a story about a, a lady who went to a marriage counselor just on her own because her husband didn't even want to go, and she said, I'm getting a divorce. I'm done with it. I'm not doing this anymore. And the marriage counselor said, all right, you want to get your husband back? She said, absolutely. And he said, do this. You will make him so mad if you go home and you treat him like the greatest person you've ever known. When he asks you to make him dinner, not only do you make him dinner, you make it dinner with a smile on his face. You ask him to sit down on the couch. You take his boots off. You rub his feet. You treat him like that, and I can promise you that you're going to, like the Bible says, keep coals of fire on his head, right? You're going to get him back. And a week later, he hadn't heard anything from this woman. And so he called, and he said, hey, and, you know, you mentioned that you wanted to get a divorce. I haven't heard anything from you. And she said, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't want to get a divorce. And he said, what? What changed? She said, well, I did exactly what you said. And all of a sudden, he started doing all those things back for me. She said, I started treating him like a king, and he started treating me like a queen. We're not getting a divorce. I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's exactly the way that it is. You want to get something out of your marriage, you need to put something into your marriage. 
you want your wife to stop showing contempt for you, then you need to stop showing contempt for your wife. You want to have a great relationship with your wife, then you need to start having that great relationship with her. So, um, but Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says this, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You can't control everything that they do, but you can control what you do. And if you're not controlling what you do, then how can you expect them to control what they do? And I don't mean that to sound confusing, but a lot of the discontent, the discord in a marriage is reactionary. If you treat them well, they're going to treat you well back, especially, okay? And again, this is where the, where the responsibility falls to the husband. If the marriage is not right, it's the husband's responsibility to get the marriage right. And again, well, my wife, you don't know my wife. If you could spend one day with my wife, you'd know why I'm doing everything I can to stay away from the home and everything else. But I can tell you this, I promise you, Wife, women especially are reactionary. Women are responders. And if you treat them with that respect, you will get that respect back. You treat them with contempt, you're probably going to get contempt back. You want your marriage to be right, you have to be right. You have to be right with God, but you have to be right with your wife. And it doesn't matter. You, you didn't say, you know, for better or for worse, unless you treat me bad, then, you know, then let the marriage fall apart, Right? You didn't say in sickness and in health, unless, you know, unless I don't feel like doing that anymore. You, you, when you said your marriage vows, you said, I'll do whatever it takes to make this marriage work, is essentially what you said, right? And if you're saying that, then what changed? You backed out on your agreement because you stopped putting into your marriage. So they stopped. Or maybe they stopped first. But that doesn't mean that, oh, well, they stopped, so that means I can stop. No, it doesn't. If you want your marriage to be right, you be right with God. And then you make sure that you're right with your spouse. None of those seven things that we talked about in and of themselves necessarily means that you're treating your spouse with contempt. But what happens is those things compound. And usually when you are making fun of them, you're also, you know, uh, interrupting them and treat, you know, treating them like a child and, and doing things. Beyond. Most of the time, all of these things are going on at the same time if you're showing contempt. So, um, and again, it's when those things become a pattern or a habit rather than exceptions, that you should be concerned. Because that's something, that, that's a symptom, if you will, of a much deeper issue in your marriage. Hopefully, hopefully this list is just a, a helpful reminder, an encouragement to you uh, about the importance of showing respect for your spouse. But let's take the opportunity to do that, right? Let's take that opportunity to strengthen our relationships. If you're, if you're brave enough, why not ask your spouse which one of those seven things you have a problem with? Right? Because I can promise you, you're going to get an answer, right? And you're, you're going to get a thorough answer if you're brave enough to ask uh, what things that you need to work on. And um, look, um, a lot of times we can look past our mistakes. Um, our spouses usually don't. Uh, they know what our mistakes are. They know where our weaknesses are. And uh, they can help us. And we can help them. And together, we can be working on that relationship together. Um, let's make sure that we're not making the mistakes and showing contempt for our spouse. And a healthy marriage, get this, a healthy marriage makes a healthy family, right? If your marriage is right, then your relationship with your kids is probably going to be right too. And if your family is right, then your relationship with other families is probably going to be right. And if your families are strong, then the church is strong. And when the church is strong, we can reach the world for Christ. 
if the church is not strong, it's probably because the families in the church are not. If the families are not strong, it's because the relationship between the husband and wife and the kids are not good. And if that's not good, it's probably an indication that the marriage is not good either. That's where it starts. Healthy marriage leads to a healthy country. I mean, you know, put the pieces together, that's where it starts. So let's make sure we're working on those things. Hope that's an encouragement to you. Let's pray and we'll be finished. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for the time we can spend together talking about these things. It'll be helpful for us. Many, many things practical, but also at the very root of it, it's all very spiritual. And God, I pray that you'd help our families to be strong because our marriages and our relationships are strong. God, I pray that you'd help us to be the witness for you in this community that you need us to be. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.